Blog Talk Radio.
a massive movement is going on. Melanin is being destroyed. But the system of white supremacy says, I will be able, by offering grants, I will be able, by offering jobs, to tell you that you are the cause of the death of black people. I'll be doing it, but I'll make you focus on yourself and try to figure out how you can destroy one another. I'll do it to you in Rwanda. I'll set up the Hutu and I'll set up the Tutsis. I will give each group all the weapons they need. And I say, now I have taught you to hate your melanated selves. Now you fight each other. I'll do it to you on the streets in Los Angeles. I'll set up one group the Crips and another group the Bloods. I'll set up all kind of Muslim groups and say, fight each other. I know I can get you to do it because I have programmed you for thousands of years to hate black. But if we don't see that this war is on the table, we will go off focusing on something else altogether, and the slaughter will continue. So I say, and I know you've heard me say this before, that when I say that the system of racism, white supremacy, is the critical thing that we must focus on because that is what is waging war against us. The white people came up with a plan some years back, Global 2000, in which they said it's too many people of color on this planet. By the year 2000, it's necessary to get rid of two billion. They are about business. They are about serious business, removing as they deem necessary the people of melanin on this planet. If we do not understand and make an analysis that this is fundamental, it is this dynamic that is taking us out. Everything that we look at, everything else, I believe, and I could be wrong, but as it comes to me, it will be in vain. Everything that we are studying is important. Everything that we look at has high-level significance. But if we are not understanding this massive war and what is at stake, I believe we will not be able to apply our energy force in a laser-type manner so that we really begin to neutralize the war that is coming at us. To me, it is critically essential for us to develop or to articulate a new world order of dialogue. And, yes, we are everyday people. Yes, we are South Shore Tars for Life. And, yes, that was the great, late, legendary Dr. 
Francis Cresswell Saint, who just recently passed away, uh, who I had the highest amount of respect for. I had the opportunity to do an interview with her uh, on this same station when I first started a little over two years ago. And I, I have the tape of it, and uh, I treasure it. I'm humbled still and honored for her to have come on the show and give me an hour and a half uh, interview. So we're going to move it on, I tell you. Uh, I also want to thank uh, my guest yesterday, uh, Brother Kevin Gunny Farmer, uh, came on the show. We had a great show, a uh, very informative show. I would recommend that if you can, uh, well, sure you can, but I recommend when you have time to go into the archives and pull up that show from yesterday and, and take a listen. It has some very good information about health and physical fitness uh, from Brother Kevin, the personal uh, health trainer uh, himself. So it was a great show yesterday. I want to thank Brother Kevin, a gunny farmer, uh, for coming on the show. And we're following that up with another great show today. Uh, we're going to start it off with Brother, who is a South Shore alumni, Class 77, also representing Illinois State, Norman, Illinois, a businessman, just recently uh, jumped into the culinary entrepreneurship with his, I'll let him tell you, we're going to bring on Brother Craig May. Brother Craig, thanks for joining me, man. How you doing? I'm fine, Keith. Thanks for having me this evening. I really appreciate it. Um, oh, man. And, I you know, be before we get started, I just want to say, you know, Kevin, uh, Gunny Farmer was such an influence on me. Uh, if I may, I have a real short story. Um, oh yeah, sure. I, I was I was a freshman in high school, and so I guess that means he was a junior. Anyway, I was sitting in class, and you know the football players get to leave early to go to the game, and all of the football players were gathering outside of the uh, football locker room in the uh, in the grassy space. Uh, behind South Shore High School on what I believe is Bennett Street. And I looked out the window, and it was a sunny September afternoon, and, and everybody had on their all-blue uniforms, and he was standing there in his number 11 and uh, with his big, giant afro and just the personification of cool. And I said, that's going to be me. I'm going to be that guy. Well, I never, I never uh, played it down as a quarterback, but uh, I was like the second or third string quarterback at South Shore. But I was inspired by Kevin. He was just the way he carried himself around the school, the way he played on the field. Uh, when I was a sophomore, we scrimmaged against the varsity team. I was on Frosoff. And uh, the, his command of the huddle, his command of the offense, I just like, man, that's what I want to be. So hats off to Kevin. He's a smart guy, and he's devoted to the community, and he's certainly somebody uh, that I consider uh, a role model. Very interesting. And I, and I tell you, I picked up that same vibe from him back then, just the coolest guy. And he actually, I was on the baseball team, and uh, he actually was on the team for a period of time in our senior year, and it was just an honor and to have him on the team. You know, of course, I'm a kid. I'm not going to, you know, go praising and everything. But within myself, I was saying, man, it was so cool to have him uh, on the baseball, to, you know, to start quarterback on the baseball team with us. I got a kick out of that, mm -hmm. man. So I feel yeah. you. I, I, I feel you. 
Now, since we are we're back on those old good old days, brother, so we we gonna stay there for a minute before we move on. So uh, since we're right, right there, we're right there. When you when you do, you just told me one memory, but when you when you kind of uh, think about those days back, uh, you know those old preppy days, what tends to come to mind about your time at South Shore? You know, some my years at South Shore, seventy fall of seventy three to spring of seventy seven, have became much more valued the further I moved along in life. Uh, and I began to realize how much I learned there, not just from teachers, but uh, but from my classmates. I have some 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 friendships that exist today uh, that were formed uh, in South Shore High School. I remember, uh, and I consider him probably my oldest, bestest friend in the world. A lot of a lot of people out there from South Shore will remember Sherman Abernathy. Uh, and uh, Sherman and I became friends. We were in the same division class. And uh, along with this character named uh, Dwight Jones, he goes by Ken Jones. And the three of us just used to be, we just became fast friends. And uh, those friendships and... Uh, and and you know learning camaraderie and and brotherly love uh, in those days were very important. Of course, you know like everybody goes through high school. I remember the, the first crush I had. Um, this young lady, she was a sophomore. I was a freshman. Her name was Debbie Gill. And and Debbie Gill used to cut a lot of classes. She was. <laughs> we we had biology together. She used to cut a lot of classes, but I had such a crush on her, and I finally, finally got up the nerve to ask her to go to a football game with me. And I was, I was so naive, Keith. She's like, "Okay, well, oh, you I'll too. meet you at the game." Yeah, I'll meet you at the game. I didn't take that as as a sign. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. And I sat there and just—I'm not even watching the game. I'm just watching the stag stadium. I'm just watching the gate to see, and she finally walked into the stadium with her arms folded, and she came up and sat next to me. Oh, man, I was over the moon. And and we left the game together at, on the bus, and I was walking her home from the school, and, and I said, would you go with me? <laughs> and she looked at me as if I said, would you walk out in traffic and get hit by a car for me? <laughs> You know, that, that, oh, that, 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 you bring, you bring huh? back a memory because that, 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 you bring back a memory because that was the line that we used to use back in the day. Would you go with me? Right. Would you go with me? Would you go I with remember me? that line, man. Yeah, I said it a few yeah. times until I was got tired of getting rejected. You know? <laughs> so I hear you, man. <laughs> and I and I I wish there was a way to get around it. I wish there was like a form you could fill out, like in grammar school. You know, where you would hand a girl a, a piece of paper and say, "Will you go with me?" And yes, no, and you put the little boxes on there. Yes, no, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I wish they had yes. adopted that system in high school. That would have been perfect. Now, have you have you crossed paths with her since then? Have you crossed paths with her since then? Were you guys kind of able to kind of laugh at that, or uh, no? I'm sorry. H- had you guys crossed paths uh, since that no, time? No, I, I, actually... I have not. I have not seen Debbie Gill since my freshman year. Like I said, she wow, cut a lot okay. of class. 
And so, uh, and if Debbie, if you're out there, you know you cut them classes. I ain't telling, I'm, you know, it was 40 years ago. <laughs> you know, we're okay. But she cut a lot Absolutely. of classes. So she just kind of disappeared. After freshman year, I never saw her again. Like I said, she was a sophomore. I never saw her again. But we had to, we shared the same biology class. And, you know, I was I was a bit of an egghead at South Shore. And I don't know, the only time she was ever really nice to me was when we had to dissect a frog. And uh, she said, can I be your lab partner? And uh, and, and I was ready to go for it. But our, our, uh, our biology teacher, I think his name was Mr. Zarko, he was Eastern European. He had a real thick Eastern European accent, yeah. and uh, yeah. and he he didn't allow he didn't allow it. You know, after class, he said, "You know, can be a lab partner." She knows not that she's just trying to get on your grade. And so I said, "Okay." So he gave. I don't remember who my lab partner was, but and then she, she of course, Debbie being Debbie, she really showed up for that part of the class anyway. So. Yeah, he, he saw anyway. right through that, though. Kudos to him. Yes, he did. Kudos to him. Thank you. Now, you were on the football team. You, you, you play how, how much, how many, how, uh, what years did you play football? I played my sophomore year, and then I wasn't able to play my junior year. I I went to the doctor, and, and uh, it was discovered that I had a heart murmur. And okay. once my mom heard that, she was like, "No, no more football." So I, I, my junior year came and went, and I didn't play. And then my senior year, I just, I just wore her down. You know, spring practice started, and then I found out Sherman was going out for the team. And I came home one day, and I just wore her down. You know, please, yeah. mama, yeah. mama, please. I went, I went all Mars on her, and. And she finally said, okay. She said, but, boy, if you get hurt, I swear, Craig, I will never forgive you. And, and she was never comfortable with me playing. But I, So I played my senior year. And I learned a lot from uh, Glenn Johnson, who was the offensive coordinator. I started out trying to play quarterback, and, and I was doing good until Willie Boyd showed up. <laughs> yeah. Baseball. yeah. But you know Willie. Willie could throw oh, a yeah. strawberry to a brick wall. So uh, then I, I said, okay, well, I want to play wide receiver. Um, so I kind of bounced around. But um, I really, really, really uh, – I remember one day Coach Johnson said to me, you know, Craig, you'll never know how much not playing your junior year hurt you because you're learning all of this stuff as a senior. You know, you're going through the experience of it as a senior – and this is what most kids go through as sophomores and juniors at the varsity level. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that we had a good team. We played hard, and and uh, and we had a high spirited team. We had a lot of good leaders on that team. Richard, uh, I can't think of Richard's last name now. Um, Rennie Biffle was was one of our captains. Uh, we okay. had a really, okay. really strong team, and we played hard, and we finished eight and two. We came within inches of going to Soldier Field uh, to play for the Blue Green Championship, um, and I got a lot out of it. I got a lot. I learned a lot about being a teammate, about learning how to lose with some dignity, 
and and some acceptance and uh and and just made again lifelong friends. I was communicating with Willie Boyd on uh Facebook earlier this evening. And and I see those guys, Rennie Biffle I consider a, a friend to this day, Keith Dickens, uh someone else I consider a friend to this day. Uh Robert McLean and other people who I've been fortunate enough to reconnect with through Facebook. But that was, I, I just learned so much about, and, and, and learned more than than from anyone, from uh, from Glenn Johnson, uh, our coach. I remember one day, you know, because I, I would never miss practice. You know, I, I, I knew I only had so much talent, so I had to hustle. And so I was always at practice. I, I went through every drill. We had this summer program at the University of Chicago that was tied to the CETA program. Remember CETA, the summer jobs program? Yes. So oh, some yeah. of the players oh, yeah. on the team Yes. So some of the players on the team were actually getting getting paid to practice football in the mornings. Um, but my folks made a little bit too much money and my mom wouldn't lie about our income. So I but I went anyway. I was at practice anyway in the summertime, every morning over at University of Chicago. And uh, and so one day we were we were running, we had to do laps around the field, so that's 120 yards plus, you know, one side in one one sideline to sideline plus something. Anyway, Johnson was right, sitting on right. the bench something near the corner of 75th and Jeffrey, and he pulled me aside and he said, "You know, Craig, you have to give 110 percent in life because when you're giving 100 percent." you're really giving less than that because you're spending time thinking that you're giving 100%. So that time that you're wasting, that energy that you're wasting thinking you're giving 100% means you're not giving 100%. So in order to give 100%, you got to give 110%. And that, you know, for whatever reason, that made sense to me. I learned so yeah, much from yeah. that man. I learned, you know, he told me that uh, he said, football is life, speed it up. The object of life is not to live forever, and the object of football is not to play forever. The object is to be a winner when it's over. And I have tried to take that with me throughout my entire life. Uh, I, I just learned so much from that man. I really did. Before we before we move on, I want to got to ask you this uh, about football. Give me a couple of golden moments of your time in football. I mean, a particular play or instance, maybe a locker room, chitter-chat or something relating to your days as playing football. Really, really – now, you just mentioned Coach Johnson, and I get that. But but just give us a golden moment in the heat of action type of thing that you can recall experiencing back at the time of playing football. Well, I didn't I didn't play nearly as much as I wanted to, but I I do have some some very strong memories, um, and I'll give them to you if I may in two categories. The one thing that that I loved the most were those ten or fifteen minutes before practice started when we were just standing out there by the field house, putting on our shoulder pads and just talking. And we had this guy named Nate Williams, who was also class of seventy seven. He was the funniest guy on the team and Nate would just have us in tears telling jokes, you know, he could imitate everybody and, and he, his sense of humor 
So just those, those I used to look forward to those few minutes before practice. We were all geared up and, you know, like I said, maybe putting on your shoulder pads or whatever and just listening to Nate regale us with his, with his imitations of Turner or Johnson or whoever. Uh, as far as particular moments, uh, nothing topped the, 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 that warm, it was unseasonably warm. Uh, first, first Saturday in October, we played Carver High School at Stag Stadium. And we were the road team. And Carver, along with Peary High School and South Shore, those were the three big teams in our division. And when we beat, we beat Carver, we were, it, was, it was the first time we were down at halftime. We were losing at halftime. Eight, nine, this is like the third or fourth game of the season. And we get in the locker room at halftime, and we're looking at each other. We had shut out Bowen to start the season, and we mowed over DuSable. And so we're kind of looking at each other like, wow, we're not supposed to. What are we doing? We're losing? We're actually losing? But we came back in the second half and won that game. And just that joy, that elation. Um. Another another moment that sticks in my mind particularly was the very first game I played in, the first game of the season against Bowen. I got in the game late, and I line up at wide receiver, and this kid across from me from Bowen says, hey, number 30, I'm going to F you up. And I just kind of looked at him like, what did I do? I just got in the game. And so the play <laughs> starts, and he I guess he was upset because they were losing. The play starts, he grabs my face mask and starts wailing on me. In an effort to get away from him, my helmet comes off, and and everybody in the in, everybody else is like, "Why did you take your helmet off? Why did you take? I didn't take my helmet off. He yanked it off." Anyway, we got into a little shoving match, and uh, Shelby Henderson came out and walked me off the field. I was thrown out the game. So the first game I played in, I get in one oh. play, and then I get thrown out. And if anybody knows me, that I'm the last guy to fight. You know, I was. You know. You know, people have a fight or flight reflex. I had a flight or flight reflex. <laughs> so, I, it was I never my it. idea to go out there and start a fight with this guy. But anyway, I totally remember that. That was a, that was a big moment. And and also, we had an after game ritual when we won, which we did all the time. Yeah, except for two occasions, we would go to the McDonald's up on Seventy Ninth and Phillips, and hanging out there with your sweaty, dirty jersey on and the cheerleaders and, and your classmates and your teammates. Um, boy, what I wouldn't do to have just one of those afternoons back in the end. That, that was really special. I feel you. One more uh, South Shore, then we move off of that. I know you've, you've, you've given high accolades for uh, Coach Johnson, but uh, from among who, who else had that influence in you as far as educators, teachers who may have given you that uh you know, that proof of thought, that point of that you kind of carried around uh, and still carry with you right now? Um, I had a history teacher named Mr. Fahey. And I had him. he always yeah. wore the, you remember Mr. Fahey? Yes, I do. And, yep. and he, he, was, he was kind of an interesting guy, but I learned so much in his class. And, and he, he would talk about history, and, I, and I'm a real history buff. You know, I'm I'm always watching the History Channel. Um, I don't read a whole lot of novels, but I love reading memoirs and 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 history books, autobiographies, that kind of thing. And a lot of that 
uh, appreciation for that kind of stuff was sparked by Mr. Fahey because he would talk about these characters uh, as if he knew them, as if, if this, you know, he'd talk about President Andrew Jackson. Old Andy Jackson decided that he was going to do this, and he would talk about him like he knew these people, and he really made history come alive for me. <laughs> I really appreciated him and really appreciated what I, uh, what I learned from him as well, and I really enjoyed his class. Uh, I had Mr. Economo in chemistry, and he, he too, was a real enjoyable teacher. One of the teachers who had a big influence on me was Mrs. Woods, uh, who taught advanced placement English. And she used to work me so hard because she had had my eldest brother, Eric, who was an editor of the school newspaper when he was at South Shore. And I guess Eric graduated uh, five years ahead of me. And she was always comparing me to Eric would have gotten that right. Eric got an A on this assignment. Eric worked harder than you. Eric, Eric, Eric. And she just pretty much drive me up the wall with that. But I learned but you know, I, I, I learned a lot from her and she made me work hard. Um I hated her guts during the time, but I knew when I would come back to school. And I and and you talk about learning from teachers, Mr. Shapiro, I was in the creative arts workshop, Mr. Shapiro is it's somebody that I still have a lot of affection for. I'm glad he's still around and, and still connects with us yes. students. Um, yes. He is just a great man, and he he helped spark my interest in writing. Uh, he he told me I had written something I don't remember what it was, and he told me how good it was. He said, "You know, you really have talent," and and I consider myself above anything else today. I consider myself a writer. I I've made my living. Uh, for the most part, in public relations, and but the aspect of public relations in which I excel the most is writing. I write speeches, press releases, strategic documents, that kind of stuff, and and all of that goes back to Mr. Shapiro. So God bless him. Now I know we, we actually uh, we'll come off the, uh, the the prep days, but you actually have still a connection with South Shore. I know uh, myself. I, I watched the. Uh, uh, tape of your uh, being against as I was against the name change of South Shore High School, uh, mm-hmm. and I, pre- I appreciate that that uh, talk that you made, and I'm glad that that turned out to be uh, a no go. I'm glad they backed off of that. Saved saved a lot of yeah. Well, well, it was, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of hard work by a lot of people, and to be perfectly honest. Uh, most of them who put in a lot more effort than I did. I was just lucky enough to be asked to come in on the back end. But as far as that uh, TV spot was concerned, you know, one of the thing, one of the benefits of having worked in public relations and media relations over all these years here in Chicago, I worked at the American Medical Association. I was head of media relations at Loyola University for a number of years. You meet a lot of television news reporters, and you meet a lot of uh, – uh, reporters who then become PR people. So I met Jim Williams many years ago when I was uh, with the AMA and then later with Loyola. Uh, and and uh, I'm not going to exaggerate. It's not like we're fast friends. But, but I know him, and I consider him a friend. Uh, Dorothy Tucker is somebody else I consider a friend, a number of other people. Um, so I, I reached out to him. And and uh, he he thought it was a good story, uh, 
and uh, and so he covered it. And I think that that uh, uh, I, I think that getting that kind of that kind of uh, affirmation, uh, that kind of positive media coverage, I think I don't know, but I think it may have have, have uh, helped the school, which officially was neutral on the issue. I think it may have helped the school appreciate just how dearly uh, that institution means to so many of us. Um, Absolutely. I, you know, I, anybody who went, you went there, you know, all of us who, I don't know anybody who went there who didn't think that South Shore High School was a special experience. And, uh, and because I had two brothers who went there ahead of me, they had attended and graduated before I ever set foot in the school. So I came in in the, in the fall of 73 already, you know, feeling like I had a relationship with that school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think they realized, had no clue that uh, people felt the way they did about South Shore. They figured they'd go in there, oh, okay, did you do it like how they did it? Right, right, right. You yeah, know, because you know, this, this, the neighborhood uh, has gotten such a bad rap that in the Chicago public school system, for some reason, decided to make South Shore a dumping ground uh, toward the end of the last century. And and I don't know why those decisions were made, but for whatever reason. Um, and and but there are a lot of there's there's decades and decades, and, and I said at an LSC meeting, you know, there were decades and decades and decades of of exemplary achievement in the classroom, on the sports fields, in in the arts, in music, photography, television. I mean, this, that school excelled in a lot of different things that kids aren't aren't necessarily even exposed to. And to just shove that all into the lake like it never happened, when it can be a wonderful vehicle for inspiring the kids who live in this neighborhood or around the city today who attend that school. Yes. You know, we wonder sometimes why our kids, you know, why are our kids like us? Well, some of the reasons why they're not like us is that we fail to instill in them the values and the valuable things that we experienced and learned when we were kids in school. And, and you know, we as alums have to take some of that blame because, you know, we're getting on board now, but one of the reasons why anybody can even have such a crazy idea as changing the name of the school is because we, we didn't have the level of involvement that we should have had. So that the, the name change proposition, you know, the silver lining of all of that is that it was a wake-up call. And and now I'm, I'm fortunate enough to work on a committee with a number of other uh, former students, alums, in trying to create uh, the South Shore High School Alumni Alliance. And uh, and we're interested in giving back to the school and becoming uh, what a traditional uh, alumni group is supposed to be, and that is a support mechanism for the kids who are going through that school now. I'm, and I'm, I'm okay. very proud of that. I'm, I'm very happy to be a part of that. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, anybody knows me knows where my heart is as far as uh, South Shore High School is. And uh, it, I'm just glad it's going to remain South Shore. I, I really am. Me too. Now, these days, <laughs> these days, I just come to learn that you are into 
a culinary entrepreneurship with your particular product, man. I'm going to let you go ahead and, and jump in and tell us about what's going on with you these days, man. Well, Keith, it's chilly in Chicago. Absolutely. <laughs> and and so I'm I am uh I am starting a a chili business. Our first big week is coming up. We are now taking orders for Super Bowl Sunday. Um we deliver right to your home, no cost for delivery. You can go on our Facebook page. Uh it's chili in Chicago and you can get uh a rundown on the prices that we charge and the variety of chili that we have and we can get all into that. But um it is it is simply uh our gourmet chili is simply the best chili that you are ever going to taste. I believe you tasted some, didn't you, uh Keith? Yes, you sent me a uh some chili. I received it today. It is outstanding, it is spicy, and you told me earlier that you can make it even more spicy, and that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm talking about. But, yes, uh, you said gourmet chili, and it is gourmet chili, absolutely. Yes, sir. It is gourmet chili. It's not just beans and meat, Uh, although we do offer, and and that's traditionally, beans and meat is traditionally called a Texas-style chili, and we do make a Texas-style chili. Um. But what I sent you was our gourmet chili, uh, also known as game day chili. It's 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 built for men, but women can't resist it. It <laughs> is made with all fresh vegetables, 97% lean beef, fresh uncased Italian sausage. So you're not going to get any of the sausage casings that you would if if, if it were made with sausage links. Uh, fresh, mild Italian sausage. Um, it comes in three different kinds. You can either get the mild or you can get hot. I'm sorry, mild, spicy. Spicy is what I sent you. Or hot. And hot is like, you know, smoke coming out the nose kind of chili. Uh, it took me about 15 or 20 years to perfect this recipe. And it includes uh, a dozen different spices, uh, and six different vegetables, as well as uh, as well as the fresh lean ground beef and sausage. We also can make it with turkey. In fact, I already have a few orders in for uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, one of them is for the turkey chili. And the turkey chili uh, can also be made uh, mild, spicy or hot. Um and so we're 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 hoping that people will take advantage of it and and give it a, a try. It's a really good chili. Um yes, it is. and and it's made fresh in my kitchen and we we uh vacuum pack it so it shows up to you. All you have to do is put it in a pot and heat it up. Um we are uh we're taking orders. You can uh, if you go to the Facebook page, it's Chile in Chicago. You can see our list of prices and also how to how to order, which is basically through email or by uh, calling seven seven three seven one six eight six two two. I'll give that number maybe three or four hundred more times, but seven seven three 
716-816-8622. That number is also available on the Facebook page. Um, or you can text to that number. And uh, we'll take your orders, and we we guarantee that by the time the Super Bowl starts, your chili will be delivered to you anywhere in Chicago and in in uh, a number of the south suburbs. Uh, Brother Craig, uh, uh, you, you, you said you, you said you have a Facebook page. It's Chili in Chicago. I'm trying to look up that page as we speak. Uh, it is a Facebook page, and you said it's called Chili. It's Chili in Chicago. Is that correct? That's right. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm trying. And I have I just have a, t- a message to ask you two questions. One was, do you make a vegetarian chili? And two, uh, do you make whatever quantities your client wants? I imagine that's uh, yes. But. Yes. Well, as far as the vegetarian chili, uh, we will have a, ve- a vegetarian chili, and I'm going to get to the GoFundMe page that we've started. Um, okay. We'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, we, we will be offering a vegetarian chili. We won't be having it for Super Bowl Sunday, but we will be we will be uh, offering a vegetarian chili, uh, and you can buy it by the pint. You can the chili that we do have, the game day gourmet style chili or the Texas style chili. You can buy it by the pint, the quart, or the gallon. Uh, in prices that range from ten dollars for the Texas style for one quart of the Texas style, all the way up to uh, $90 for two gallons of the uh, gourmet style chili. It's really, really good. And it's a bargain at that price. People love it. It's a perfect complement to a football game on a cold February evening. This is definitely chili season. Again, I started. I make my I, my first pot of chili I made when I was in college. I, I come home uh, for break. I don't know if it was Christmas break or Thanksgiving or whatever. But I was I was in my mom's kitchen, and it was the first time I I tried to make chili. And you know I don't remember how it tasted, but it was pretty good. And I said, well, and I just kept working on it and working on it and working on it. And why does chili just have to be beans and meat? You know that just didn't seem to make sense to me. Uh, so, like I said, we use six different kinds of vegetables and uh, uh, a dozen spices. All go into it, and and that's why it's a gourmet chili. Uh, if I may, we also have a GoFundMe page. Uh, if you go to GoFundMe, it's it's chili in Chicago. We're trying to raise money, and this is what we're, we're trying to raise twenty five thousand dollars to open up a takeout restaurant in the South Shore area. We can hire some of these young people to work and get work experience and 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 to make some legal, honest money uh, to take care of themselves and their families with. And $1 out of every 10 that we raise uh, is going to go to a food pantry in the South Shore community. And I'm, I'm working now trying to identify uh, a food pantry. I, I'm, I'm really kind of amazed at how hard it is to get people to return your phone call when you say, I'd like to give you some money. You would think that that, <laughs> that they would call you right back, but oddly enough, um, I hear you. that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to take 10% of everything that's donated, and that money is going to we're going to write a check, 
and, and I want none of that money goes into my pocket. None of that money, uh, that money is set aside in a fund, and we're going to raise money for to to get this to get a takeout store started. It's going to be a year-round business uh, because our Texas-style chili is ideal for chili dogs, and chili dogs, of course, never go out of season. And we'll also have some other uh, products available. Uh, we make a phenomenal barbecue sauce. It's a Polynesian barbecue sauce, um, and it's just the best barbecue sauce you're ever gonna you're ever gonna taste. Uh, you put some of that on your baby back ribs, and it's Polynesian. It's got it's made with lemon and lime and pineapple, and it is just absolutely delicious. Um, a couple of secret ingredients in there, but it, it, it's made with honey and it's kind of sweet and it is just really, really delicious. I make it for my family uh, every summer holiday, uh, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, and family members often wind up, you know, wanting me to put some in a bowl they can, you know, a Tupperware bowl or something they can take home with them. Uh, it's really yeah. good. It's really good barbecue. I'm going to have to send you some, Keith. It's a really, really good barbecue sauce. But uh, I, please go to GoFundMe. It's chilly in Chicago. Make whatever kind of small contribution. We've raised about $500 so far. Our goal is $25,000, and that's a that's a steep climb. Uh, but, but again, the money is going to be used to, to set us up in one of these storefronts in the community and start – Selling our chili out of the storefront, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna hire uh, uh, local people, uh, and if that works the way that we hope it will, then we're gonna start manufacturing the chili on a larger level so that we can put it in uh, in the gourmet food section of grocery stores. And uh, of course, we'll need we'll need a staff of people to prepare and to uh, vacuum seal and distribute the chili. And, and again, we're going to be giving first consideration to people in the South Shore community uh, because this is home for me. I just I, I lived in Hyde Park for a number of years. I just moved back to South Shore uh, in November. Uh, so I'm, I'm right down here on 71st Street. And uh, and the, the idea of walking to work every day is kind of cool. So I'm, I'm, ideally I would like to open up a place on 71st Street um, but we need a little help to get started, and I don't have a problem saying that. We need we need a little help to get started. So uh, again, you can go to GoFundMe. It's Chile in Chicago. Make a contribution. You can go to the It's Chile in Chicago Facebook page, and it will. Uh, there's a link there to our GoFundMe page. Our website's going to be up this weekend. You'll be able to place your orders on our website this weekend, but for now you can place your orders by calling 773-716-8622 or by dropping in me an email at cgmay211 at gmail.com. And all of this information is available on the It's Chili in Chicago Facebook page. Um, yes. I've been so encouraged by the support that I've gotten so far. Uh, we've been, we, it'll be two weeks come Friday that we've been, uh, that we've been, uh, have doing the fundraising and, uh, we we passed the 500 mark last week. I've been working on other aspects of it. I haven't really been pitching it on Facebook this week, uh, but we'll be this weekend. 
And I'm really excited. I love to cook. Uh, it is, it is. Uh, you know, I, I'm a creative guy by nature. So writing uh, is a creative exercise. Cooking is a creative exercise. I love to cook. In fact, I, I'm going to have a cookbook coming out later this year just for men. Uh, that's not the name of it, but it's it's a cookbook for men. And it's called, uh, the name of the book, the working title of the book is Women Want You to Cook Like a Man. And these are dishes that are simple to prepare, delicious, and I guarantee that the woman that you prepare these these any of these recipes for will be impressed with your culinary skill. Because, you know, they say uh the quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach, but uh having been married uh a time or two and, and, and uh having spent, you know, since my my puberty years uh in <laughs> In, in and out of relationships with women, I'm trying to be delicate here. I have found that women appreciate a man who can cook, and and it impresses a woman, and it's and, and that's and as it should. Um, and so these are dishes that they're, now, if you're looking for uh, uh, recipes for healthy eating, this ain't it. Um, there's there's not a lot of uh, low cal. Uh, dishes in here, you know, we, you know, there's a lot of butter involved and a lot of red meat involved. There's some salads in there too, but this is not a, uh, I want to lose 20 pounds by, you know, whatever date. This is for creating a delicious, rich meal that will make a first date or an anniversary or a birthday uh, be special uh, not only for the woman who is presented with the meal, but for the guy who cooks it. Hello. Yes. Oh, okay. I was stopped. I thought I lost you there. Okay, I'm almost panicked. Yes, I'm with you, brother. I tell you, yes, you did uh, send me some of that chili, and I and I can vouch for it. Uh, the Super Bowl is coming up. It's that time. Uh, place your orders uh, and check it out. Check it out. Brother Craig May. Craig, we are going to, uh, I don't want to say what we can do. We're going to go ahead and let you make uh, take the time and uh, from the heart, just express yourself with a closing statement and just you can just put it out there in the way that you want the people to receive it. And I'll give you that platform right now. Well, I, I'll be real quick about it. Um, I have I have lived a phenomenally fortunate life. Um, I I had both my parents in my home. I was raised by uh, a God fearing mother and a hard working father. And uh, me and my three brothers and sister, my one sister, the five of us grew up in a very warm and loving home. And uh, and I'm just so. I'm just so thankful every day for the gifts that God has given me and not just talents or abilities uh, to whatever extent I may have, but just the people I've been blessed to meet, the places that I've been blessed to travel. I've had jobs that have allowed me to travel all over this country. And uh, and I, I'm just overwhelmed sometimes by how blessed I've been. Um, but... The, the the thought I would like to leave 
your audience with, Keith, is that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. That's something my mother says uh, uh, often, and it has become it has become a mantra that I try very hard to live by. Not always successful, but I try. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Brother Craig, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, I recommend everybody uh, take heed uh, and check out Craig's Chili, uh, Mild Spicy spicy Hot. uh, You're pretty much all around Facebook. Brother Craig May is on Facebook. You can contact him that way. Uh, You can uh, get on my Facebook and scroll my friends list. You can find him there. Uh, He is accessible. You can find him and you can get your order in and check it out. Brother Craig, thank you so much, man. Much respect to you. Thank you, Keith. Love your show. Keep pushing, man. Thanks a lot, brother. You take care, and we'll be keeping in touch. All right. Good night, now. All right. Brother Craig May, check out the brother's chili. Simple as that. We are going to take a old-school break. Y'all know me. You know that. You listen to this show. You're going to get some old-school. Ain't no school like the old-school, which we still had. Money, I mean, not money, well, well, that too, but uh, music like we had back in the day. That's when we lost our music, it seemed like we lost ourselves. But uh, we're going to take an old school break, and we will be right back.
you know, getting geared up for the uh, or revved up for the game. Um, going to uh, the game, Craig Mays had mentioned, you know, Stag Stadium. Uh, we would go to Gately. Those were those were great times. You you go to the game and um, us in the cheering section out on the bleachers. We'd have we'd we'd have so much fun. You know, cheering. Uh, uh, our little uh, songs and and out there, um, you know, with all this school spirit. I remember those days. I, I've told people about uh, some of the bus rides home, where you know, you, 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 you silly kid, people can get hurt, but um, uh, the kids would um, push. Um, you know, the bus would be crowded, and they would push. Uh, going back one way and then rush towards the front. We thought that that was hilarious, but, you know, they had to come to a stop because CTA, they shut us down. They wouldn't even let us get on the bus after that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but wow. Those, those were those were fantastic times. The, the pep rallies was off the chain. Um, going to the game was off the chain. Uh, you know, we just have a, had a great time. Those those were good memories for me. Um Another thing is that, um, you know, I was part of uh, that creative arts workshop. Um, you know, we put together the plays. We we were part of the plays, and, you know, those were exciting, uh, going over lines. Um, um, even, you know, we wrote our original plays, and Mr. Shapiro would take us through that process, and then we'd put it on, um, you know, for the, the students. Um, so those, those were good times, dressing up and, and uh, um, um, you know, going through rehearsal and then actually acting out, you know, the the plays that we've sat down and wrote. Now, who, who was your circle back then? And before you answer that, I'm going to let let the people know. I, 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 now, you might forget somebody because I'm, you probably had a big circle, but whoever she misses out there, don't take it personally because if I was asked you who your circle was, you might forget to say Patty King. It can happen. Well, towards the um, like the my junior and senior year, um, I hung out with you know people that was part of that um, creative arts workshop. One of them was Chris Payton and uh, Darren Morgan and. Um, uh, Tanya Jenny, she was with, in journalism with me. So those were some of the people that I hung out with. Um, uh, Gwen Carter, she her uh, her brother uh, was um, you know Vincent Carter, and um, and her her younger brother uh, had just recently passed away. Um, but uh, she was somebody that um, I hung out with, had classes with. You know, those were some of the people that were part of my circle. Mm-hmm. What did you come up with uh, in the area there, in South Shore? Say that again. Where, where did you come up at? Where, where, which, uh, what grammar what, school did you go to? Let me ask you that. I went to Bryn Mawr. I was a Bryn Mawr oh, Viking. Oh, you were a Bryn Mawr? Louis Doe. I'm a Bryn Mawr man. Bryn Mawr man. So they changed uh, the dog on name. I just happened to notice one day. Man. Yeah, Boucher and, now. <laughs> Yes, it's Bryn Mawr. Well, they can call it Boucher if they want to. You know who we are. <laughs> it's Bryn Mawr always. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, who 
you mentioned Mr. Shapiro, but who had that influence on you, on you back then as far as educators? Who kind of gave you something that you could embrace then that, you, that has helped to make you into the person you are now? Well, definitely Mr. Shapiro. Um, he, he's one, uh, you know, one of the several teachers that um, that impact and had an influence on me. He's probably had the the biggest uh, impact and influence on what I've done and 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 how I uh, carry myself uh, in life. I I've told a story about, and he he actually didn't remember this story, but uh, when I took his uh, creative writing class and creative writing um, was considered a major, so it was like English. Um, So I took that class and it was uh, in my senior year. And in the um, third semester, um, I got an F out of his class, and I, and I was so angry with him because I'm like, I'm getting ready to graduate, and if I don't pass your class, then I won't get my diploma. And, you know, this isn't a class that they offer in uh, summer school, so I was so angry with him. And I went got my papers that had been graded, and I had, you know, these other papers that had, you know, a, that had been marked with A's and B's, and went to him, and I said, um, why did I get an F out your class, <laughs> you know, when I, when these other papers, you know, I'm doing so well in? And so he he told me about, um, well, he said, there was an assignment that you didn't turn in. And I was like, so I got an F by not turning in one assignment? And so he told me, he said, you have to finish what you start. <laughs> I was so mad at him about it. But um, later on in life, it resonated with me. It was like, oh, finish what you start, you know. So that was something that, uh, a lesson that I took from from that. At the time, I was angry about it, but later on in life, I grew to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I, Another teacher I'm that uh, say that I'm sorry, say that again. No, go right ahead. You go right ahead. Oh, uh, another teacher was a uh, an influence on me that I love dearly, and she's passed away. Her name was Miss Garrett. She was the biology teacher. Um, not I, I don't know if uh, most most people during that time they didn't care for her because she was considered mean. <laughs> But she was a good person, and she had a good heart. That's interesting because I had her too. <laughs> I had her too. I agree with you the other people, her? but I know what you mean. Well, I, I uh, yeah, I had her. She was my biology teacher uh, in my I think sophomore year. And uh, mm-hmm. at the time, I thought she was mean. But uh, one thing that Craig said when I interviewed him, he said that some of the things uh, you. As you grow older, you tend to appreciate her more and more as you look back, and and uh, I could appreciate her as I look back at it. But at the time, I was like you were with Mr. Shapiro when you got that F. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Uh, okay, so we will go to uh, pretty much. Let me ask you this much: Where does the sunshine come from? How does that come? Has it always been there? Is that something that you kind of grasped to put to Facebook? Now, I'll tell you, my take on it was that uh, just from uh, reading your post and and, and, and I I met you uh, at Mr. Shapiro's party, and you have a 
you have a way about yourself where you tend to kind of brighten up the room. You have that smile. You have that charisma and character about yourself. Is that where Sunshine came from? That's exactly where it came from. It it is it it was created for uh for well it's part of it's Facebook so, um and that's where it it's been uh, so I call it my Facebook name, um, but I had a person a friend that said you know you, your personality is so bright you you know you all you, you smile you. You you know you you bring sunshine wherever you go, and he said I'm going to call you Patty Sunshine. <laughs> so I was like I'm going to make that my Facebook name, and I put it on Facebook. Now, funny thing uh, uh, that happened to me today is somebody recognized that name, and they was like, "Your middle name is Sunshine," and I was like, um, "That's my Facebook name." <laughs> So I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I yeah. just when you just asked me that question, I was thinking about, mm, should I come up with a really interesting, good story for him? But <laughs> you actually hit it on the head, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it kind of seemed uh, like I, I talked when we talked before uh, preparing for the show. I, I was saying I had a, you know, I just, it just seemed fitting that that would kind of be where that came from. I was just curious if I was on point or not. So you were. that's what I was. All right, beautiful. Now I also have noticed by reading your uh, Facebook timeline, and I let people know uh, I may not respond to everything. Before I read timelines, I read what you say. Mm-hmm. I, I I be reading what's going on. Some I respond to, some I don't. Uh, depends, but uh, I'm on it. But I noticed that you are really into uh, running. You're really into fitness. Is it, has it always been the case? Uh, has, is this a recent take? Uh, you're running marathons. You just came back from Miami, I saw, uh, running a marathon. Uh, where did this all start? When did this all start? Well, the the running actually started um, in the fall of 2012. Um, now, I've, through, through life, I would go through periods where I'd, you know, get into exercise. And, and in all honesty, the reason why I uh, got off into any form of uh, fitness or exercise is because I wanted to eat whatever I wanted to <laughs> and oh. and and not be and not be you know fat I hear you. that was the whole I purpose of it um what I'm learning though um and people have told me, but you know being you know younger it's like, oh, you know, I'll just go and do this, this, and I'll burn you know knock it off real quick um you ever heard of the eighty twenty rule um they have where Eighty percent is nutrition and twenty percent is exercise. So, as I'm getting older and uh, gone into you know reach menopause and my uh, metabolism uh, slowing down because you know the estrogen isn't you know it's decreasing. Yeah. Um, that's resonating with me more and more because it's like well now um, I would work out and say oh you know I can eat whatever I want to eat. I can't do that now because <laughs> the results uh, aren't the same. So um, the other part of it has, you know, clicked in. It's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta switch this up and and and, and make changes here. But um, I got into um, running because in 2011 I uh, tore my cart cartilage in my knee, and. Okay. 
and so I had to go through physical therapy. It was, you know, it was painful. It hurt me to um, walk down the stairs. You know, I was like literally in tears. It, it, it would hurt so bad. And uh, once I went through physical therapy, um, I was looking at trying to get with a program to help, you know, uh, strengthen my legs, build the muscle up around um, around my knees so that they would be strong again. Um, I started working out um, with um, uh, a, a trainer. Uh, her name is Sho, and it's her run club that I've um, that I've been a part of called Showmo Fitness. Um, so working out with her, um, she does uh, the, the 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 run clubs, these run camps, and um, and so she um, encouraged me to do the what's called the hot chocolate run. So they have a three miles and nine miles, and uh, and I've I've like walked run three miles before. Um, so she you know she encouraged me to do the the nine mile, uh, the nine mile one, and I, and at first I wasn't going to do it. I signed up for the training, but I was like, I'm not going to actually participate in the run. Who for what, you know? And she called me on it. She was like, um, "Have you signed up for it?" And I, was, and I told her, "No." Uh, she was like, "Why not?" I was like, "I'm not doing that." And she was like, "Why not?" I was like, "Well, if I sign up for it, I'll do the three miler." And so she said, "She said, why would you do the three miler? You know, you can do that." challenge yourself and so as soon as she said challenge yourself (laughs) I had to be a part of it and what I noticed while I was going through all of this training is that um my my knee uh kept getting better and stronger and part of that was um you know she stressed how important it was to stretch out you know you work those muscles real hard um you have to um you know, get uh, stretch the areas that you worked so that you can relieve that that acid that has built up, uh, you know, uh, in those muscles. And so she, you know, there's a lot of things that I learned going through that training. And then I felt wonderful. I felt great afterwards. So um, I kept with her her program, and you know, I, I'm, you know. At the summer of 2012, I'm walking around limping with a, a sore, you know, a sore knee, and then by 2013, I'm running a full the full marathon in the Chicago Marathon, which is it was absolutely fantastic. And in the process, I had lost 40 pounds, so I was like, you can't beat this. <laughs> wow. So, um, wow. Um, but that's how that's how I. Um, that's how that came to be the the running aspect of it, and since then, um, I've been fully on board with her program. I'm a pacer with her group now, so so I act, I teach and help people um, with their you know long distance running goals. Hmm, that, that's interesting. I mean. Uh, so what's, what's the longest – you actually run 26 miles? Did you actually finish the Chicago Marathon, that 26-mile marathon? I did. I did it in five hours and 12 minutes. Now, how in the – see, now, <laughs> wow. I can't I, – now, see, I can't relate to that. Now, see, I would have been you – know, you know that person that uh, it come across the finish line that uh, nobody saw until about maybe a block away from the finish line? That's me. You know, that's <laughs> and me. You know what? It's it's okay. Anybody, 
when you anybody can set their set your goals as long as you finish your goals it doesn't matter um if you walk it run it crawl it there was a guy the year that I had uh, uh in 2013 when I ran my first marathon um he he had cerebral palsy and it took him i think 17 hours to do it and i remember uh seeing him on the course and i was like wow that's amazing but this guy he he had he set a goal he stayed focused and he completed his goal how do you prepare for a marathon how can how do you what did you do to prepare to run a 26 mile marathon well, they actually, you can Google um, training programs, but basically okay, okay. Um, you you start at, you know, you take it little steps. So um, there's, a, traditionally there's like an 18-week um, running program if you're trying to prepare for a full marathon. A full marathon is 26.2, so 26 miles and two blocks. <laughs> And so there's an 18-week uh, training program for that. That first week, one day you'll you'll run, um, uh, say, a mile, um, and then uh, the two days from there you'll run another mile. Um, on the the weekend, um, you'll increase that um, to say two miles, and then you steady increase it. So with with each week you increase it. Um, one day you might do what they call uh, uh, intervals. So intervals is where you start out, say you run for two minutes, and then you walk for a minute. Um, you do that for a mile. Um, and then the following week you, you'll, or the, the the day after when you go to your next run, and you'll run it straight through. So if you've on Tuesday done interval runs where you walk, you run, walk, run, walk for that mile, on Thursday when you come back, you'll run it, run that mile straight through. And then on on the weekend when you do what's called your long runs, um, you can either do an interval or you'll run it straight through. So these are this is what's, you are this is how you condition and you train your body and get yourself mentally prepared um for the long distance running um it it takes training it also takes um a, a knowing uh the posture and breathing breathing is very important um when you're trying to do those long distance running and uh anybody will tell you if uh the people that uh that I've trained uh to run um when I'm running along next to them uh I'm looking at what they're doing how their posture is um their cadence when they you know when they when their feet hit the pavement how that sounds how it looks uh and I'm listening to their breathing and so it's wow. been occasions where I would tell a person oh you need to breathe and it's like I'm I am breathing and if you if you're listening to them, they're like, <laughs> actually, no, you're mm-hmm, panting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not breathing. And yeah, yeah. the thing, <laughs> it's easy to go into that panting stage because when your heart is is uh, is working and it's beating, it's telling your brain that, hey, I'm you know we're, we're not getting oxygen down here, and the brain sends a message back to the heart says, hey, beat faster, you got to work harder. The way to 
fool the whole body into saying this isn't uh, as bad as it seems is when you take in deep breaths and let those long breaths out. So basically you're getting oxygen to those areas that are needed. And uh, and that's part of that training. That's part of what I do when uh, when I take people out uh, uh, on those runs to get them ready for for long distance running. You 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 really you really I'm, I'm listening to you, and it's really giving me a thought uh, to, to maybe try to do that. How how long uh, from the time you decided you were going to uh, do marathon? How, how long how, how long a program did you did you go through to when you were ready? And that's got to be a hell of a feeling. I'll get back to the question, but it's got to be a hell of a feeling to see yourself progressing and to say, "Damn, I couldn't do two miles. Now I can do two miles straight through." That's got to be really. A, a way of pushing well, yourself as you make these accomplishments, I would think. Yeah, you know that the, all of it is a, a mindset, and and that's how that's how I looked at it. And when I ran, when I did the hot chocolate that nine miler uh, in November of 2012, um, at the end of it, I I felt great and I was excited and I was happy about it, and I knew that I wanted to do um, uh, set another goal for myself. And at the time, it wasn't the marathon, but, you know, I, I knew that I would be setting more goals. Um, the The marathon opened, it, it opens registration um, in March uh, uh, each year. And so by by March of 2013, you know, I had developed friendships with people who, who were running long distances and they were talking about running doing the marathon and and that's how that came about it was like well I'm I'm running so that should be a goal that I can set for myself and I it, the thought of it was um it was scary uh but you know it was like I can do this and and so you know I set that goal and I I looked at it I approached it like um, I approached other ones that, you know, that I hadn't done before, like a 10-miler, um, a half marathon. Um, my way of of getting through those long distances is by um, just like with the training, how you start out small and you keep increasing it. Um, at the start of uh, of the say marathon or the half marathon, if whichever um, race I'm running, um, I look at it. I set goals for myself. So I'll look at oh, there's a there'll there'll be an aid station at mile two. So instead of looking at it as I'm running twenty six point two, I'll look at it. The next station is at mile two, and then once I reach that station, uh, um, then I'll set you know I'll set focus on when the next aid station. A station is where they have the water and Gatorade handy, or they'll have um, the porta potties. So those are um, in my mind landmarkers. I set landmarkers for myself, and, and, and so that way that I'm not looking at the whole thing and it look, it seems overwhelming, I like to uh, cut it in small pieces and say, okay, I've, this is where I'm at, here's my next goal. So uh, I saw that as being a, 
uh, uh, easier way or more manageable way uh, of setting goals for myself. Interesting. That is interesting. Hmm. Now, now, what, what now? So you have pretty much a daily routine, a daily fitness routine that you that you are, you know, going into. Is that correct? During running season, um, running season usually um, starts at the top of spring or or um, or the bottom of winter, if you want to look at it like that. Uh, and it runs through to uh, before the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, and then people start kind of winding down um, uh, during that winter break. But during running season, I do definitely have a routine where I'm out three times a week um, running. There's two times out of the week, it's uh, small interval runs, uh, and then on the weekend. It's that long distance run, so so I, I definitely have a routine for that. But outside of that, um, I don't. I haven't created a set routine for myself for uh, you know other things like I um, I'll go to the gym, um, I'll do group classes, or I'll go into the weight room. Um, I've also I'll also go to uh, to yoga classes, but I haven't. Uh, created a set routine for those. Now, you mentioned, uh, do you actually, are you actually a trainer for runners? Do you, do you actually, is that something that you do that people can contact you if they want to become involved? Is that, or is that just something that, uh, you know, you, you just, I'm a, when you, I'm, go ahead. I'm a go pacer, ahead. so I pace for the, the run club that I'm a part of. The run club that I'm a part of is called Shomo Fitness, S-H-O-M-O uh, Fitness. And so um, so with that group, it's a, it, um, uh, the, the person that's over it, it's her run club, but she has people that, uh, that are over um, uh, different pace groups. And, uh, and so I've, uh, I've uh, trained in, uh, in those different areas. But as far as like uh, having my own, uh, you know, training uh, company or business, no, I, I haven't done that. Okay, okay. But if, if someone uh, listening might want to, you know, just kind of get encouraged and just might want to give it a shot, is that something that a beginner can uh, join, or something that, that you pretty much need to have done all your homework and kind of be ready to get the road running? When no, you no, 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 no. The whole. The whole purpose of getting in the program is to 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 help you reach the goals that you said. You don't. You can come in okay. uh, with no knowledge of of what it takes to run. You just know that that when you were a kid, you probably um, played tag or it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um yeah. Um, yeah, no. That the the whole purpose of that training program is to is to get people uh, ready and get them trained to to whether it's a three mile, five mile, six mile, get them get get them so that they have the tools um, to to accomplish those goals if that's what they're wanting to do. And how would they uh, make contact? To whom would they make contact if someone just by chance 
listening might want to, you know, mm-hmm. get involved in something like that. Well, she has a website. It's uh, her her website is called Shomo Fitness. Um, okay. Well, ShomoFitness dot com, um, and actually, uh, we are in the process of um, setting a training schedule for the Shamrock Shuffle, which is uh, I think it's in uh, it's in April, and that one is, is six miles. Um, uh, so, but it's it's. It's based on, but it'll be after um, uh, St. Patrick's Day, but the whole theme is around St. Patrick's Day. So, and then if they want to, you know, hit me up on Facebook, they can, you know, I'll be happy to share the information if anybody is interested in in um, training for that program. We we actually meet on 39th and uh, uh, Oak, Oak, uh, Oak Street. Um, Oakwood. Oakwood. 39th and Oakwood, mm-hmm, right at the beach. Okay, okay. Well, that area sure has changed, boy, I tell you. Man, <laughs> it Well, I mean, if you, I'm telling you, this is all subject, but if you was a take somebody who, who came from over there in the days and blindfolded them and took the blindfolds out, they wouldn't know where the hell they were. Man. <laughs> wow. I know, I know. But, uh, wow. So... And I have something right there on the top of my head. Uh, maybe it'll maybe it'll come back to me. But okay, so oh, I'm gonna say that that's one thing that I really want to try to do because you know I've been working out for about a year and a half now, and I tell you, it has really really changed and enhanced uh, pretty much everything about me. Uh, I was I had an interview with uh, brother Kevin Farmer yesterday, and we were talking about the health and fitness, and he really he really was. He was knocking the ball off the park. Ball off the park. I mean, he was really on point, and it was, uh, you know, just really encouraging. And we really want people to, if if, if you can, uh, like like he was saying, you keep 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 moving, move, do something, because it's an enhancement. I thought his you know, story a, was amazing. The fact that yeah. you know he was diagnosed with uh, being diabetic. He was, you know, he was having to take the the insulin, and then he was able to. Uh, through health and fitness, wean himself off of his medication. That is an amazing testimony. Yes, 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 yes. It, it really it makes right. it makes a difference, and people underestimate it. It, it, it. It's amazing, and hell, I underestimated it until I started doing it and started. Uh, you know, at first when I first started, I dreaded it. Now I can't wait to get to the gym, and <laughs> it just. Makes you feel good when you leave the gym. I'm sure when you leave that gym, you, you, you just feel a sense of it's just a brighter day. I don't care if it's cloudy outside. In my head, it's just sunshine. It's a it's a bright day. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful day. I feel great. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you've you've released those hormones in you that that yes. um that that gives you that sense of accomplishment. You feel the um, the energy going through your body. So you know, with 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 all of this that you're doing for yourself, uh, you can't help but feel good when you know that um, that you are feeding your body what it needs. Yes. So it's maybe nothing, you should call it feeding like with a purpose. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's why I, I, I like it when you when you put those pictures out there. When you when you you you're out there, you're running, you you you're just doing your, your thing. I always try to post. Uh, quite often when I leave the gym or when I'm going in, I'll put, I'm there, I'm done, I did it. And just to get people to kind of, just to, 
you know, just agitate the, agitate your comfort zone a little bit. Come out of your comfort zone and do something for yourself. You can, what better can you do for yourself than to look out for your own health? Thank you know. You. So, so uh, let's, uh, we'll, we'll take an old school break. I wanna, and when we come back, I'm going to ask you about uh, that was an interesting little summer part-time job you had. I wish I yeah. had something like that. <laughs> and I'm also going to give you, you can start thinking about a closing statement because I'm going to, I always get to get the opportunity to uh, make a closing statement wherever you want to come from with it, however you want it to be received, put it out there in that manner. It's all going to be on you. So we'll take a uh, uh, quick old school and we will come right back. You with me? Yes. All right, here we go. We'll be right back. <laughs>
Um, in the broadcast booth, there's a lot of things going on, um, and there and you have different people manning different boards. But as far as the scoreboard itself, it's manned uh, on uh, with three different boards. Um, one is balls, uh, balls and strikes. Um, the other one is um, uh, putting up the stats, and 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 that's what I do, put up the stats and. Um, and then the uh uh the the main board so the main board brings uh everything together uh, uh with the balls and strikes and the stats um and so and i've been uh i've done it for two seasons uh starting in april will be my third season there now have you so you've been back there and you've seen the setups and everything you've seen what you're going to be to enable you to do all these things with the scoreboard is that correct so what's and these are just I'm acting like a little kid now. I'm just I'm just curious. What is it look? What's it like back there? I mean, what's the setting? I mean, are you uh, are you like in you're not like you're away from the scoreboard and like an office with a with a computer that does all this for you with a laptop or a PC? Yeah, yeah. We're we're sitting at um at at desktops. So um you know we're entering uh, things on the uh, the the computer uh, the keyboard. And uh, and then once we've typed up uh, whatever information we need to put in there, uh, when it's time to send it out to the uh, out on the board, um, you know, we send it out there, send it up there so it can go. <laughs> um, yeah. That and it's all it's all choreographed too. So there's a manager. It's almost like being in a television station. Uh, everything is okay. choreographed. So you got. Uh, we everybody everybody receives a script, so you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing at a, a certain time. It's even okay. It's even scheduled at what time you're supposed to be putting different things out there on the board. Okay, okay. I was gonna get to all that. I see. Okay, okay. So there there is no ad libbing. Everything you have to follow this script because if you don't, then it's gonna be obvious to those who know you should be following that script. Is that correct? <laughs> well, not necessarily. So the people oh, okay. out in the, the stadium, unless we just really mess up <laughs> in the broadcast mm-hmm. booth, the people out in the stadium don't know that, oh, this was supposed to happen at this time. So basically a script is followed to keep everybody on schedule and uh, and, and, and and make sure that the ads that are supposed to go up there get up there uh, on the board when it's supposed to go um, in the opening ceremony. Um, that that's scripted. So when they're uh, posting the the players, uh, uh, the opposing player when they're doing those post ups, all of that is scripted. Uh, and 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 those are timed as to when it goes up on the board. When we're you know if they're Who's ever seen the anthem? That's scripted as to what time they're supposed to be displayed up on the board and 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 start out. So the the opening ceremony is uh, is it's timed, it's scripted. Once we start the get into the uh, you know the game, um, the the only thing that pretty much is scripted at that time is when the ads come up. But um, as far as uh, uh, everything else, it, it's followed by um, wh- wh- whatever inning they that they're in and who's up. Um, and so we uh, have to 
um, make sure that we have the information, um, such as with the balls and strikes. You gotta keep an eye on the uh, umpire. Make sure that whatever he's calling gets up on that board, and it's and it needs to be accurate too. Because if it's not if it's not right, we're gonna get a call from the owner <laughs> saying yeah. hey, what's going on. They they will call, and it will not be it will not be. A, a feel good moment if they have to call because right. something is messed up on that board. So, but there, there's been like wacky things that that have happened, and and you know where we we end up scrambling and having to make sure, okay, get this get this together, and uh, or if if say um, uh, the you know at the end uh, there was supposed to be fireworks, but um, that was you know, canceled or changed or something like that. It's, it's been wacky stuff that has happened uh, where we had to, you know, uh, go to Plan B or even Plan C. So, you know, everything doesn't happen, always happen the way, you know, you would like it to happen. So. But let, let me uh, ask this. Been, now, go ahead. Now, now, now are, are you uh, responsible for a particular Portion. I mean, do you handle like the, the player statistics? Do you like rotate? Do you always do the same portion, or how does that work? I mean, uh, what would be an example um, of your your routine when you? First of all, how early do you have to be there? How much before the game do you have to do you need to be there? We need to be there about. Uh, well, for what I do, um, I'm supposed to be there two hours before the game starts because two hours. Okay. Uh, okay. Mhm. So because we have to um I I there's a a part of my job responsibility where um I put in like um the the next you know the next games make sure that the those, that information is uh correct. So um if there's a game like the next day and then uh the, whatever games taking place during that week I have to make sure that those that information is current and updated in the system uh because that's that's ran throughout the game where you know people can look over on the board and see oh it uh there's a game on Saturday and it may have a theme to it so um you know like uh um they'll have um uh, they had a superhero night uh, last summer, and where people could come dressed up as a super, you know, their favorite superhero. Uh, right. Or mm-hmm. if they were giving away, like, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a real nice, uh, uh, you know, a gift uh, at the door. The first ten thousand people, you know, uh, receive like uh, a hat. Or um, there was one. Um, uh, one day where they gave, uh, you know, they were celebrating uh, the tenth year for the World Series, and they gave the uh, the replication of the the ring, and the ring is really nice, by the way. <laughs> wow. So um, wow. they were giving those out, um, you know, for the, the people um, that came uh, that came out to that game. So, uh, and you know, we had to make sure. I, I have to. That's part of what I do when I come in. Uh, make sure that that information is going out, uh, is current and is going out uh, on the board. The other thing that I do, I build uh, the the players in the system. So whoever whoever's uh, playing that day, 
um, for right. um, White Sox. Um, you know, I put in uh, who who's playing, what position they're playing, and then who they're playing against. I put in um, their position, you know, uh, in the order that they're coming up um, to bat. So those are the things that um, I I have to make sure that's in there uh, uh, correctly uh, before you know before the game starts. Uh, during the game, um, when you have a batter come up, whatever uh, that batter does during that play, you know, grounded out to first, or if he doubled. Uh, those are the things that I have to put in the system so the next time that he comes up to bat. It's out there on the board. You see, you see what he's done for you know people who who follow the game. Um, they'll look up on there and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what he did. You know, and if, yeah, if my information yeah. isn't right, you know, they may be like, oh, what, what, what? <laughs> so we we have to we do. There's a lot of um, in the in the broadcast booth. Uh, we are uh, you know keeping track of the game and uh, and. Uh, and, and check in with each other to, you know, make sure that, okay, did you see that play? Did it happen the way I wrote it down here? You know, so we, we kind of, mm-hmm. look you know, talk amongst each other and uh, uh, in, in following a game. And I find it very exciting. It, it's funny because oh, yeah. um, before, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> before I start, started working there, you know, I would go to a game as a spectator and it was something that was uh pure purely sociable to me. Uh but then, you know, once I started working there and got into, you know, the uh, the, the the other part of, you know, the of how uh the game comes together, how you know, the 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 the, the, the stats and the motions that everybody's going through. Um mm-hmm. You know, I got excited about it. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's it, it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that that <laughs> would be that, that, that I would, as, as a ball player, and I love loving sports, man. That would be a dream job for me. Now, where are you where are you located in the stadium? Are you up in the same uh, skybox as where the reporters and the Sun Times and Tribune writers and those guys are? Um, I am located um, to the. Uh, it's over in uh, right field. It's actually right, almost right behind where the umpire is. But I'm to the I'm to the the right of the umpire. But uh, so I'm up. Okay. I'm you you could um you could actually look up and see. It's a whole row of us. So it's not where the Suntime people are, but you'll see where the, the um, you know, where they're broadcasting from with the, um, there's one side where there's the, the, the radio and then in the center, um, if you, you know, familiar with Gene's voice, um, um, he's, uh, you know, doing the plays uh, from there. And then, to the right of him uh would be um the booth uh, that that where I'm at and uh okay. and where the people who are controlling the board are so you i mean you you don't have to, I mean, you have a TV that you can see the game but you're right there you can see everything obviously i guess i don't know i guess obviously right there in front of you you have view of everything is that correct yes yes oh man i love oh man i love that i oh, have a very good cool. view <laughs> yeah, you get to go to every game. Man, look at that. Look at that. 
I don't go to every game, so you know they we rotate. Oh, no? um, oh, yeah, okay. I just go to the. I just I I'll go to the games that I'm scheduled for, and then um, you know there's okay. there's some games that I go to uh, uh, just as a spectator, but um, for the most part um, I'm there. Um, you know, if it's you know if my if it's my scheduled day, so you know, cause you I could you, they, some of those games get pretty long. You can get burned out, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. I, I used to uh, work in Soldier Field for the Bears games. I was supervising the vendors, but the only problem is when we were located, I couldn't see a damn thing. Like a like a field of vibe, you know. <laughs> so uh-huh. you you right there, you could see the action, man. That would be that would be really really nice. That, that, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I find that very interesting because you don't get to, you know, you always wonder uh, what's going on behind the scenes, you know, so so appreciate that. Appreciate that. Well, Miss Patty Sunshine King, this is the time where I give you that opportunity to just express whatever it is you want to share with the world from the heart and whatever way that you want it received by the people. I will give you that platform right now. Take whatever time you need. <laughs> well, um, I don't think I'm a person of many words. I do appreciate you inviting me out on your show. Um, thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my journey and share my experience. Um, what I would say to your listeners in parting is uh, for you to be the best that you can be. Those are my parting words. Patty, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, you keep on running. I'll keep on reading and following following you. Maybe that'll inspire me to eventually, man, uh, that I can get the time and I can stay stationary long enough to maybe consider doing something like that myself. So I appreciate you sharing. Uh, I'll send your you a training and, guide if you like. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you can, please do. Please do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we'll do that. <laughs> I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Actually, I'll be in town this weekend. I'm going to the uh, Mo Better Jazz tomorrow. So, uh, South Shore High School alumni, y'all ain't come on out there tomorrow and, and hang with me. I'd appreciate it. I'll meet you there. <laughs> come, on, yeah, come on with it. Come on. I appreciate it. There's nothing like, and I, I told people before we go, that uh, South Shore High School is so special to me. I love my family. That's one dimension. Mm-hmm. But my South Shore High School alumni is a whole other dimension. I don't get yes. the feeling any, anywhere else that I get when I'm around my South Shore High School alumni, period, point blank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Patty, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, keep in touch. I hope I do see you tomorrow. I hope I see my South Shore alumni tomorrow. Uh, yes. You take care of yourself. And when you go up, everybody, y'all hang on, because I still have some things I want to say that I'm going to talk about that I want to put out there that people need to know about. Uh, but... Uh, Patty, you take care, and I appreciate you. Much respect to you. You do the same. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm going to take a uh, take a little break, and I'm going to come uh, right back, and we'll let it roll. So hang with me. I'm going to keep it rolling.
Hey, and I am back, and I just wanted to come back before I close the show out and uh, say a few things, and I'm going to uh, follow it all up with uh, All Better Jazz. that's taking place tomorrow night at the quarry. But I want to reemphasize uh, something of what I said yesterday pertaining to uh, what's coming up in March of this year. And if you didn't hear me yesterday, hear me now. If you heard me yesterday, I know that you understand uh, why I'm saying it again today because that is how important uh, this vote coming up for state's attorney in March is to Chicago. It is the most important vote, in my opinion, in the history of Chicago. If Anita Alvarez is not taken out of office in March, Chicago is toast. Chicago has a major problem. What that is saying is Chicago talks but ain't going to do. Chicago will have a major problem if that piece of skunk gets an evil ass back into that office again to continue on doing what she's doing now. And you can imagine how she'd do it then to show us who the hell are we to try to pull her out of office. Because the stump don't even think that she's done anything wrong. Well, she knows she's done something wrong, but her motivation is to make you, us, we, believe that she's done nothing wrong. See, that, that's how they work. It's really a Republican thing. I can't believe that the stump is a Democrat. See, because they know what they're doing is messed up. They know it's wrong. They know they're liars and, 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 and ain't worth the goddamn. But they're, they're, how they work is to convince you otherwise. You can watch what they're doing. Look, what you, you saw what, what happens. Brother McDonald shot 16 times on video, 16 times. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen 13, 14, 15, 16 times shot. You would think after one shot, which he was, that any possibility of a threat had been eliminated. Hell, he was on the ground. That racist supremacist pig, swine, lost his damn mind. He was getting off on shooting that black man so much he lost his mind. He was loving it. The dude might have came. He might have had his gun in one hand and his shit in the other. Yeah, I'm being sarcastic, but I'm just saying, this is how sickness that jackass was and what he did. But they're going to convince you that he was a threat to them, and we're watching it on TV, and they're sticking by that story. It was a justifiable shooting. And I'm just talking about that one. I, we don't have time to mention all the rest of them. And like I said yesterday, I don't want people talking that shit to me about what black people kill black people. Get the hell out of that. Get out of that. And I'm going to tell you one thing. I used to say that, too. I said that, too, at one time until somebody checked me on it. And you know what they told me? The same thing what I'm going to tell you. That's bullshit. Black people kill black people, and they get their ass caught, and they go take their ass to jail. They are held accountable. They're not looked out for. And it's not even videotape. Cops kill you on videotape. They're paid to serve and protect. They take an oath of the damn office, and they kill you live and in living color on video, and they are not held accountable. It is not the same damn thing, period. So get off that, please. It is two different worlds. 
yes, we have an internal issue. But these people are paid to serve and protect us against these internal issues. And they are major contributors to that issue. So, in March, people spread the word. This is not a joke. This is not a game. And I, I said yesterday that you, you can pray and you can take a break and go vote and pick up on your pray from where, praying from where you left off. I'm going to change that. Hell, you can pray on your way to voting. You can pray while you vote. You don't even have to stop. How's that? How's that? Ain't that a little bit thing? You ain't even got to stop your rhythm. You ain't got to break your rhythm. You can get your prayer on and you can keep on praying and you can get up and, and, and get yourself on to, to, the, to the voting booth. And you keep your prayer working. While you're voting, you keep on praying. You ain't even got to stop. But you've got to get that vote in. If you simply just pray, I'm going to tell you, Anita Alvarez will get her skunk ass back in office, and you ain't seen a damn thing yet if she gets reelected. This is serious. This is not a damn joke. This is serious. They know what they're doing. Okay, so got that off my chest. Uh, I also want to reach out to the class of '76. Uh, they have a reunion coming up, and uh, I'm more than willing to. Uh, I like to be a part of it. I like to uh, hopefully, unless they have other means and methods to, to, to do what they want to do, that's fine. Not a problem. I'm just saying that I would have no problem, and I and I, I would be honored to be a part of that and to have them on. Uh, Oscar Martis, uh, Renee Benson. Uh, Dorothy Candy Henson, uh, more than welcome any time. Uh, we can do a road to the 76 reunion uh, with interviews of the uh, reunion committee and with some of the class of 76, as I'm doing now with with uh, various classes. I'm doing with any class, and we can just uh, do a little something special uh, pertaining to the 76 reunion. If you'd like to, I'm available, so I want to reach out to the class of 76. You all keep that in mind and let me know, and I will reach out to you all via text and just to inquire, and if you uh, would like me to be involved, I'm more than willing to, and I will look forward to it. Okay. Uh, one last thing. Uh, I'm working on getting Brother Darius Lawrence, who is the CEO of Mo Better Jazz at the Quarry, and that is on 75th and Phillips in Chicago. Uh, technically, it's 2423 East 75th Street, but, uh, you know, we don't go back there. 75th and Phillips. It's on 75th and Phillips and on the corner. Mo Better Jazz, Mo Better Jazz, outstanding jazz venue. Uh, it has elements uh, of the, when I walk in personally, it kind of gives me that little vibe of like the Harlem Renaissance with the ambiance. It's a really clean place. It's really cool, cozy, intimate. Uh, everybody's, it's nothing but love when you go in there. You don't walk in there and you don't get, all, you don't get that bullshit. Ain't nobody on no bullshit. You walk in there and it's all love. It's all we all together. This is what we have in the community. This is ours. This is us. And the people who come there show that appreciation when they're in there. And if you come there, you will feel what I'm talking about. I will be there tomorrow. I'll be in town for the weekend. Uh, I hope that if you can make it out there, make it out there. I would love to see you. I always love being around my social high alumni. I always, it doesn't matter what year. Uh, I'm 75, so of course 75. Uh, has that spot, but uh, if, if I know you and you saw your alumni, if I don't know you saw your alumni, uh, you're a part of what I love, and I hope to see you all out there. 
Moveta Jazz, uh, brother Chuck Webb and the Chuck Webb Band will be performing. I did have the honor to see uh, Chuck Webb at the House of Bing when uh, the uh, Better Jazz first started, pretty much. Uh, and he is an outstanding bass, uh, uh, what do you call that, the, the big bass fiddle, whatever, and a bass guitar. Outstanding band, outstanding player, and you'll love it. I'm looking forward to it. I hope to see you all out there. And uh, on that note, that's a better way. It's 7, 7 o'clock to 11.30. 7 o'clock to 11.30. Come on out and meet your brother. Say hi. I'd love to see you. And on that note, uh, in the name of whomever or whatever, your spiritual power, peace, and good night.
you have been listening to We Are Everyday People, Global Internet Radio Network.